Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Transport Podcast for Zone 9 No Context CFB. Week 9 is upon us. I, I think we say it every week, but man, this season's going by quick. What happened? It feels like last week we were previewing what's going on in the Conference USA, and now we're, we're going to be talking about a different group of five conference that just absolutely sucks. We'll be talking about every conference, every game going on, every player playing. But yeah, week nine, it's happening. Joined us today, Art But Make It Sports, LJ. How's it going, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, Liam and Andrew are joining us as well today. And I kind of want to just like jump straight into this because there is a lot of big games going on this week. May not have, you know, as many ranked games as we've had over the last few weeks. We were spoiled with like, what, seven ranked games last week. There's going to be a lot less because some ranked teams no longer in the poll. But LJ, we'll start with you. Best or maybe the most interesting storyline going into this week of college football? Yeah, sure. So I think there's some probably bigger name games out there, but what I'm most interested in seeing is TCU, West Virginia, obviously TCU undefeated. And uh, maybe even if they run the table, uh, won't make the uh, the playoffs. But, uh, you know, West Virginia's pretty uh, plays pretty tough at home. Uh, Vegas only has them, I think, as like a four point underdog um, or touchdown underdog uh, yeah. and a ton of points, like 67 points. Uh, as the points total. So uh, it should be a, a shootout. And uh, I think West Virginia might have a chance to to pull one out. So it's the one I'm most looking forward to. Andrew, Servon, bring out the tomato. <laughs> I, I took it back upstairs, but, you know, we just filmed another video about an hour ago where someone talked about West Virginia and TCU, and I had to sprint upstairs and grab some tomatoes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that as a little bit of a, a teaser. If you want to check out the upset special, that's probably out on YouTube right now on the YouTube channel, but, uh, Are the, tomatoes, the tomatoes, a good thing or, um, depends how you look at it. It depends. Do you like tomatoes? Cause if you do, it's probably a good thing. If, if you don't like, I don't, uh, not the greatest thing, but Andrew storyline, what you got? I think I'm going to go with the big 10 West division right now. The big 10 West has been such a fun division this whole year. It's insane that, Two teams that fired their coaches that earlier this season still got a chance to make it to Indianapolis this year. But we got a big game with Illinois going to Nebraska. You got Brett Bielema, who's looking to, to, to go back to the Big Ten title game for the first time since 2012, going up against Mickey Joseph's Nebraska, who I think a lot of people don't have much identity on right now. I still don't know how to take Nebraska, but Nebraska's two and two right now in the in the in the conference. Uh, Illinois is the best right now at three and one. I, you know, I think a lot of people have yet to take Illinois seriously with, with this game being in Lincoln, this is a huge game for Casey Thompson. This is a big game for Chase Brown, who I think has done everything in his will to, to be first team all American, even up there for a dope Walker award winner. But uh, I'm really excited to see how the big 10 West is going to finish out the rest of the season. And this could honestly be one of the most crucial games for the big 10 West this season. If Illinois falls at Nebraska, this honestly opens up the doors for so many teams still that are they, they can still make it to, to Indy this year. Yeah, pretty much every team besides Northwestern can still make it to Indianapolis. Which oh, is Sixers made a, made a graph earlier yeah. today saying that they could still win it. Oh, they, they still could. But, I mean, the Big Ten West, you said it's fun. I think it's the opposite of fun. I think that it's just not – it's just the opposite, but it's also fun because it's chaotic and chaos is fun. I am trying to find the ugly – I'm trying to find the beauty in the ugliness is what I'm trying to do right now, and I'm just taking this as competition as best as possible. 
you know what? You're a better man than I, because I just view garbage as garbage. Liam. Yeah. I don't think that there's a bigger and a better storyline than Jackson state gang, the host college game day this week. This is a significant get for the Jackson state program and haters. Haters are mad. The haters are getting shut up for all those that went out there and said that all these high profile athletes, whether it be recruits or transfers that went to go play at an FCS HBCU that they're not going to get the exposure. I don't hear you talking anymore. Jackson State got college game day to come to their place for a home game against Southern. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. Battle of the bands and everything too. Like this is going to be some good stuff. And Jackson State ranked ninth in the FCS. They're no slouch. They score 40 a game. They give up 10 a game. It's one of the best programs in FCS football. Shador Sanders is just shredding defenses at the highest level. And we haven't even got to see Travis Hunter play at the highest of his abilities. He's been dealing with some injury this year, but it's Jackson State game. Game day is dang good, man. Yeah. Shador Sanders, heck of a player. People saying he should be you know, getting some recognition when it comes to the Heisman. Now, how much is kind of the debate right now? He's been playing phenomenal for Jackson State. Obviously, they had a pretty tough game last week against Campbell. But, yeah, Southern, great matchup for them. Great job for college game day of realizing, hey, we can finally go to an FCS school, even though you should have gone to an FCS game last year and probably another one this year. They should have been at uh, the Dakota marker game. But, you know, that's a different debate for a different time. I'm going to go to the American. And as patriotic as I am, this conference sucks. This conference is just absolutely disgusting after a year where they sent a team to the college football playoff. And now we're looking at this conference. The game between Cincinnati and UCF is going to have massive ramifications for this conference and who goes to the title game. But frankly, both of these teams suck. Cincinnati struggled with a bad SMU team. UCF just all year has been up and down, up and down, up and down. And you can never get a full grip on what UCF is really going to do on a week-by-week basis. Cincinnati has not really overplayed expectations because a lot of people thought they could beat Arkansas. That did not happen. And Arkansas is not even a very good football team this year. This is just a battle of who wants to lose less. It's not who wants to win more because these teams are not that good. This is just, okay, can I get my way into the AAC title game by not being worse than you? Not being the best. Like last year where it was Cincinnati just not pummeling everybody, but beating everybody, which they have done to an extent this year outside of Arkansas. But I don't know, man. This conference is just having an awful year. Awful, awful year for the AAC. I love that both of the Andrews focused on the absolute garbage as the AAC in the Big Ten West. What's the difference? Hey, man, I got I got, I got teams in both, in both of those leagues, so please <laughs> – Please don't come at me too hard on this one. I feel insulted already. Wisconsin's at least looking a little bit better. They have. They, they really have. And yeah. you know what? Houston had their best game of the had their best game of the year last uh, last week against the uh, Navy. Shout out Clayton Toon getting five touchdowns. I'm feeling good. You know what? It's insane how both these teams can still make the can still make their conference title games. I don't expect them to, but they still got a chance. Yeah. At least there's a chance. You're telling us there's a chance. One of my favorite gifts on Twitter. But LJ, I want to throw this one to you. Talk to us about the process of connecting sports images to absolutely beautiful pieces of art. It's really interesting because it seems like you get these out very quickly and you have such an immense history of art and it's very impressive. Oh, I appreciate that. The uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm for the most part 
glued to my television on a, a game day Saturday and then kind of other sporting events as well, whether it's game day Sunday for, for NFL and Monday night football and sort of anything and everything in between. Um, and yeah, I mostly just kind of see stuff and uh, connect it to images that either I've seen from going to museums or galleries uh, or sort of understand what a artist's uh, technique might be. So, you know, Dolly might be a little bit more surreal elongated limbs uh, and then start to think through which of Dolly's pieces might connect to something uh, or then just a uh, like a motif in, in art history. Uh, so, you know, somebody's fallen over, it could be the lamentation of Christ or somebody's rising up, the ascension, uh, and then it, it sort of just comes together. Uh, but I don't know, it's uh, been a fun account to, to do as a hobby and has actually made me appreciate the sports side more because I'm a longtime sports fan and I work in sports uh, and it's allowed me to see it through a, a little bit of a different lens and kind of appreciate the artistry uh, that goes on, even if it is, uh, you know, Lee Corso kissing a kissing a duck or, or holding a duck, um, you know, being able to draw a connection to that, to something that might have happened, you know, hundreds of years ago, uh, then puts that that kind of college football perspective in, in a moment. So, yeah, it's. Well, Oh, you I was just, it's like an art in itself and what you do is truly amazing yeah, well, thank you the uh yeah and it's been fun to kind of bring to other people for a while it was my friends and my mom and like my mom's friends were the only people that followed the account and uh during the nba playoffs it kind of blew up and now especially during college football season it's gotten a lot of traction so uh love getting feedback from people and just kind of hearing their thoughts and uh, bringing my sort of stupid musings to to the uh, the public eye. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal account to follow. Obviously, the tag is going to be on the screen for those watching on YouTube, and for those on Spotify. Do you want to just say the Twitter and IG handles? Yeah, sure. So Instagram is uh, at Art But Make It Sports, and then Twitter is at Art But Sports. It uh, just just missed the character limit for uh, for Twitter. Yeah, and you also get to see you know what the actual paintings are like you're not just going to see a picture of a painting but you're going to see like who made it which i think is very interesting yeah it's definitely uh, nice to i've uh, gotten a lot of people reach out to say you know they've learned a lot about art history and certain artists and artwork and then in the same vein one of the things i do is if it's you know sometimes i'll use screen grabs from uh you know television but uh, oftentimes it's photographs that are taken by uh team photographers um, and I think uh, that's sort of a uh, underappreciated art in and of itself uh, that people tend to take for granted. And so being able to make sure that they get credit and, and get kind of traction from, from the posts, I think is important because there are a lot of, you know, and even like creative teams that uh, at all these universities and, um, you know, they're doing pretty incredible work bringing uh, college football to us, after, you know, even the production teams at a, uh, uh, these various networks, but being able to sort of frame up college football in the social media sphere and uh, you know, capture that, that artistry of, of the game that we love. So. Yeah. And it's not just college football. It's pretty much every sport. I feel like photographers and, you know, graphic designers, they're really some of the most underappreciated people in the sports industry. I mean, I know firsthand one of my best friends, Dylan, he's a photographer and, you know, graphic guy for GCU lacrosse. So shout out the Lopes. But it's such a great industry, and I have a lot of fun following it. 
So obviously, if you're on YouTube, the handles are on the screen. If Spotify and Apple, you heard them say the tags. Let's get back into some college football. All right. LJ, disappointment is something that a lot of people feel in college football. A lot of us, I mean, you're dealing with a Minnesota, Wisconsin, Houston, and a UCLA fan. So disappointment is going to happen. Who should we expect some, some disappointment from this week? Yeah, and I'd, I'd say I experienced that same disappointment, disappointment, excuse me, as a Vanderbilt football fan, but Oof. I, I know better uh, to have expectations. So uh had every- a nice week zero, though. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Get a, get a nice week zero, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice uh, time to take a breath. I think it was our last game. We got shellacked by uh, somebody. I can't even keep track of me, Georgia. Um, it was Missouri. Yeah, Missouri beat, uh, beat us. Uh, actually, we we barely lost last week. Uh, I think they only beat us by like three points. Uh, but I tend to uh, not remember games because it, it hurts too much. Although we did, we did surpass our our prop of two and a half wins already. Yeah. So that's a win in itself, exceeding, exceeding expectations. Uh, so I guess I'll caveat the answer to this question and all the other ones with. I'm a college football fan, but I'm in by no means a uh, an expert like you guys. Um, I tend to just flip on on the TV and sort of take games in, uh, as opposed to knowing in depth of you know depth charts and every single coach and stuff. I know a, a little bit, but uh, I do know that Wake Forest is ranked number ten, uh, which does not seem like it's normal for for Wake Forest, uh, and I I know they're sort of closing schedule uh, is fairly tough with NC State, UNC, Syracuse, and then I guess a pretty frisky Duke team. Um, And they're only a four-point favorite this week against a pretty mediocre Louisville team. So uh, I guess I'd probably have that one circled as potential disappointment if you're, I don't know, Wake Wake Forest kind of is Vanderbilt, but a little bit better at at football, same same colors, basically same same area of the, uh, the country. And I know Vanderbilt was ever ranked 10th and uh, they ended up uh, losing to a Louisville. I'd be pretty disappointed. So I'll circle that one. It's going to be tough for Wake Forest to stop Malik Cunningham. He had a great game last week. Andrew? I'm going to go with uh, a team that's already been really disappointing uh, this entire season, but truthfully, it's just going to just boost the tabloids even more. Sacks A&M, they welcome in Ole Miss that just got decimated by LSU last week. The difference between Mississippi and Ole Miss and Texas a for this week is I think Ole Miss is actually going to go into Kyle Field pissed off the way that they lost to LSU last week. I look at AM, They've lost three straight games. They lost brutally. Well, not brutally, but they lost in brutal fashion to Southern, uh, South Carolina last week. And you look at everything about AM right now, and you truthfully can't look at anything at any level, whether it's the offense, not even the defense. The defense has not been the same as it was earlier in the year. And the special teams, you got Haynes King, who's back at quarterback, is, is, is already bad enough as it is. I just think this is going to be another situation for AM where they're just going to be lackluster. Kyle Field somehow is still going to get filled up, but all 104,000 people that are in that stand, they're going to be disappointed again because guess what AM they've already lost their win total for the year i demand my bookie pays out my ticket already for that under eight and a half wins AM is in a horrible spot right now their number one recruiting class can't save them right now the haynes king can't save them devon and chain who i think has actually been among the most disappointed players 
in college football the whole year. And I Smith is out for the year. You expect a true freshman in Evan Stewart to pick up the slack. There's nothing in Texas A&M right now that I can honestly look at and say to myself, you know what, they could probably put their heads up for the, for this upcoming game against Ole Miss. No, Ole Miss, they still got Alabama coming up. They want to go into Kyle Field, and they want to destroy the Aggies. And if you're an Aggie faithful, like shout out Jake, how much longer is Jimbo Fisher's clock going to be ticking? Because if they lose this game in decimating fashion, there's going to be no patience left in College Station by the end of Saturday. I, I yeah, I understand everything you're saying. I do think though that it's kind of extreme to say that Devin Achain has been disappointing. I think it's more so that he's a product of the environment there. The prehistoric scheme is hurting him. The anemic offense is hurting him. He's not getting the volume that he deserves. And when he does get touches, he's making great do with it. He's still one of the top NFL draft prospects when you're looking at the right back position. I don't think Achain's been disappointing at all. I am looking at this game, though. Look, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Miami and UVA. A loser of Miami-UVA, that's just extreme disappointment, blah, blah, blah. The people watching that game, too, like, expect disappointment. But Cincinnati, since he has been playing with their food for way too long, it's going to get messy. They have not impressed me one bit all season long. And it's time that they'll go down swimming and strike three. This is the time right here. I love UCF in this spot coming off of a dreadful loss at East Carolina, a game in which they were never competitive, never had real signs of life. And they got flat out embarrassed at ECU. You're coming back here to the bounce house. You've got a top 25 team coming into your place. You're still alive in the AC, AAC. I love UCF in this spot. Uh, I ran this game through my head a thousand simulations. UCF won it every single time. College football fans should expect disappointment from beloved Cinderella, Cincy. I'm, I'm glad you said beloved Cinderella because I think that we need to stop calling them anything close to that because that was last year and this is a completely different team. Yeah. And obviously, I know you're joking. So this is just me saying, hey, Cincinnati is not in 2021 form. This is 2022. Let's shift the mindset around this team a little bit because this team is just nowhere near as good. But I'm glad you brought up the Miami UVA game because that's part of mine. And I'm saying anyone, and this is not a team, a player, or a coach, I'm disappointed in people. I'm disappointed in people who expect any sort of competent offense in either the Miami versus UVA game or the NC State versus Virginia Tech game. Because those are four anemic offenses with absolutely nothing to play for. NC State is for some reason ranked. I I don't know how that's possible. I don't don't know know what... This could just turn into another AP poll rant about how they suck. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and be a little bit more civil right here. But how can you see a ranked team in NC State without Devin Leary with how they played against Syracuse? Syracuse is a good football team. But man, that was not a good watch. That was not a good watch. Virginia Tech has not been a good watch all year. Grant Wells, a quarterback, it's just been unfortunate for him. He's never been able to get anything going. And then UVA. I could also rant about UVA for the next 20 minutes, and I probably will. I'll try and keep it a little bit shorter. But, man, Tony Elliott, last year, Brendan Armstrong was one of the most statistically prolific passers in the country, and now he's quite literally, and I'm not, you know, just trying to make this seem better for my take. He's been one of the statistically worst 
performing quarterbacks in the country. Dontavion Wicks, what happened to giving him the ball every single play? Because he is dynamic. You saw his touchdown against Georgia Tech. He is a playmaker, and yet you're not going to give him the football? Come on. He's on track for absolutely tanking in production this year, and it's not his fault. I feel so bad for him. He's an NFL draft prospect, and not many people are going to look at him because they're like, wow, what a drop in production from this year. It's the fault of Tony Elliott. It's the fault of that UVA offensive staff. It's just absolutely shocking to see how you can take such a talented group from a year ago and turn it into mush. You turn it into baby food. You turn it into something that looks like it should come out the other end. I, I won't say any other terms, but it's that bad. It's disgusting. It's atrocious. It's all the adjectives that I can think of that resemble bad. But it stinks. We'll go from, it, it stinks. It really stinks. But from the ACC, we're going to go to who has the most to gain and who has the most to lose. We'll, we'll still have a little bit of negativity, but also who can really help themselves, LJ? We actually go back to that, the Tony Elliott thing, because I think I, uh, I listened to, I don't know if it was last week or the week before the podcast, uh, and there was a, a Tony Elliott rant in, in that one as well. Do we think he keeps his job at the end of the year? Yeah, his, but he shouldn't. Season? He shouldn't. <laughs> He's going to, but Andrewster and I both believe that, like, you, you take the college basketball one-and-done rule and you just apply it to a college football head coach. Like, he's got to go. It, the the level of regression that is evident in Tony Elliott led ball clubs is just frightening to look at. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of on the same same board, boat as you guys. He uh, they suck so, <laughs> and and haven't really shown any any progress. And I guess if they what if they lose to a a pretty lackluster Miami team, that's just another uh, notch against them. Yeah, I, I will say. I don't think they've had a single team total over this year. They have not scored more than 20 points against an FBS opponent. And, you know, if, if you betters are watching or listening, their team total, I got it at like 23 under, under. If, if I had a lock on me, I would just dangle it on the screen. But LJ, who has the most to gain? Who has the most to lose? Yeah. So let's see. I'd say the most to lose, maybe CJ Stroud this week. He's got the, uh, Heisman front runner label. Uh, the team's in the driver's seat uh, in their conference, uh, and they're up against. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about Penn State, but they could uh, be pretty frisky uh, at home. Um, and I think if he loses this game and Tennessee uh, ends up winning, he concedes the uh, front runner for the Heisman to Hendon Hooker. So uh, I'd say he's probably got the, the most to lose this week. But who's got the most to gain? Yeah, so I think the one with the most to gain is the one that has no no prospects at all, which I'd say is Billy Napier and uh, in Florida. If they somehow find a way to uh, you know, beat Georgia, I think they're three touchdown underdogs, uh, and they got a pretty interesting final four games uh, after Georgia. I think they're at A and M, uh, at home against South Carolina, away at Vanderbilt, and then away at Florida State, which I think they could just as easily. Uh, lose all four games uh, as they could win all four games. So it's kind of a, a turning point in, in Florida's season. I don't even think Florida needs to beat Georgia as much as they need to, uh, you know, make it an interesting game and maybe, you know, have it come down to the last possession or something and, and get some momentum heading into the, the final stretch. 
For me, personally, my most to gain for this week is Kansas State. I love the spot that they're in right now against Oklahoma State. They have to go to to Manhattan, Kansas. And right now, I think Kansas State, they've kind of been – I don't want to say that they've been a sleeping giant because they've never really been a giant. But despite them losing to Tulane earlier this year, they have put together a really good string of wins. You know, they, they got the huge win at Oklahoma. They got Tech. They got Iowa State. They did lose to TCU, but put it this way, right now, the Big 12 right now, it's really open. And if Kansas State, with the likes of Adrian Martinez, with the likes of Deuce Juan, if they can beat Oklahoma State, who, even though they just beat Texas, they came really close to beating Texas, Oklahoma State did not look flawless against Texas last week. In fact, they were on the fringe of losing if a couple smarter decisions on the back end of that fourth quarter would have been made. Kansas State beats Oklahoma State this week. They then will have to face four teams who are currently unranked the rest of the year. We got Texas, who I think are still a bit of a loss identity. I think Texas is still a really good team, but they've got some bad losses on the on them already this season. Kansas State beats Texas. They're even in more in the driver's seat to make the Big 12 title game in Arlington. After Texas, you have to go to Baylor. Baylor, where do they rank among the most disappointing teams this year this season? They're they're at four and three. They lost to BYU on the road. They got some key losses in the Big 12. They, they've, you know, they've, they've not been the, the New Year's 16 that a lot of people thought they were going to be preseason. Then they end the season at West Virginia, who got blown out by Tech last week. And then you end the season at home against Kansas. I think Kansas State, if they can get this one over Oklahoma State, I think they have a clear shot straight to the Big 12 title game uh, in Arlington at the end of the year. Now, for the most to lose, I'm actually going to go with Penn State. Penn State this year has honestly looked the best that they've looked in a really long time. Probably their best team since the 2016 year when they made the Big, tw- uh, the Big Ten title game and then lost to USC in the, in the Rose Bowl. I really like this Penn State team a lot. And, Andrew, you did the Big Ten conference uh, preview with me. I thought Penn State was going to be disappointing. They've, you know, Sean Clifford, he's had some bad games, but when he's been good, he's actually been pretty on it. He was on it last week pretty well. Penn State, they've kept – a little tighter than what it needs to be, especially against Northwestern. Penn State owes me a lot of money from that game, by the way, from from beating Northwestern by only 10 points at home. But I think Penn State, if they lose this game against Ohio State at home, which this should have been the whiteout week for them, this essentially knocks Penn State out of the, the Big Ten uh, East race. They're not going to get to Indianapolis. And because of this one loss and even the, the, the loss to Michigan, this is going to be more weight on James Franklin's shoulders being like, listen, you've been here for what's it been now? Seven years now that he's been there and he's been to the big 10 title game only once Penn state loses this game. They may go 10 and two rest of the way, but you look at the grand scheme of things. It's like, look, you went 10 and two. This is your best team in a really long time, but it still wasn't good enough. I truthfully think right now, James Franklin, the whole Penn state team right now, if they lose, at home to Ohio State, our Big Ten race, and again, despite a good record, it's still not good enough for, for what James Franklin should do up in Happy Valley. I want to go back to the Oklahoma State-Kansas State game and just say Kansas State's health going into that game is massive to look at. Like, we don't know if Adrian Martinez will be playing at quarterback or if it will be Will Howard. That's still up in the air. And then head coach Chris Kleiman said, look, we got to hope that Deuce Vaughn is healthier this week because he has not been healthy. So those are two like key players that we got to look for key things too. Cause Will Howard did, he diced up TCU 
a decent bit when he got out there before he actually got hurt. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing how K-State's health is going into that game. When I'm looking at most of the game, I'm looking at UConn. It's, it's, it's gross. It's gross. I know. But UConn has so much to gain because we're talking about bowl eligibility being a real possibility. If UConn is able to take down Boston College, a bad Boston College team, Jeff Halfley isn't the coach that everyone thought that he was. They're going to be a four-win team, UMass, uh, UConn, sorry, with UMass, Liberty, and Army remaining. There's opportunity to get two of those games. I know Liberty is dang good, but Army's been incredibly underwhelming. Of course, they could beat UMass in that world-famous game. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I am going to say I believe it to happen, though. I think UConn will do it. I, I, if, if, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I never said it. But I like UConn to win this game. Uh should have had the Ball State game, too. They blew that. But bowl, bowl eligible UConn would be a sight to see in 2022. And I got honorable mention for the most to lose. Those watching Northwestern Iowa, not sure. Not sure what's going on there. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, man. Yeah, then I, I went with uh, TCU. I, I understand where LJ is coming from when he's talking about TCU West Virginia as one of the biggest games to watch. And it, it's not because of West Virginia. It's all because TCU, obviously. And you're coming in here red hot. We're coming off wins. High high emotional wins after high emotional wins after high emotional wins. It's like a sugar rush. After these five great wins, do you go into this, you know, lowly West Virginia team on the road and do you actually drop the ball because you crashed all that sugar run ran out I'm very worried but if the froggies lose this game like I just I can't see them losing but like knowing college football like we know that there's a real possibility that they has dropped the ball here yeah that that spread is very Interesting worrisome. to say the least. It, it is definitely worrisome because there are those spreads that Vegas makes that, man, TCU's been playing very well and West Virginia has not. Why is the spread so low, even though the game's in Morgantown? going to be very interesting to watch that game. Maybe TCU does drop the ball. We talk about the Pac-12 often cannibalizing itself. Is this maybe the start of the Big 12 doing the same? That's going to be something to watch this weekend. I'm going to go to gain. I'm actually going to go to the Pac-12 and a little bit of cannibalization. The Washington State Cougars, Thursday night, Pac-12 after dark in Pullman. They get the Utah Utes coming into town, a Utah team that's coming off a very emotional win against USC. Obviously, just an insane game that was. But Washington State's not a bad football team. You may not think that seeing their record, but yes, they've struggled against Pac-12 competition thus far. But Man, it's really tough to keep doubting a team with a guy like Cameron Ward. Has he had the greatest season? No, but you can see it when he plays football. He is something else, man. He's a very intriguing prospect for us NFL draft fanatics. And I just love that defense. That defense is physical. They're going to be able to get up in your face. Utah doesn't seem to have that this year, which is very against the stereotypical Utah teams of the past. So maybe, maybe Pac-12 after dark, Gives us everything we love. We'll see no context. Post the Pac-12 After Dark Stranger Things formatted photo for probably the seventh time. Only given us seven. This year. Oh, okay, okay. This week. The seventh time this week. He's just going to post it every time Cameron Ward throws a touchdown. But 
this could really be a game-changing game, a season-changing game, I should probably say. But if Utah doesn't find anything on defense outside of Clark Phillips, it's going to be a long day for that defense because Cam Ward can sling the football. If he doesn't turn the ball over like he didn't against USC, I expect Washington State to win this football game. And for the most to lose, there is a underrated sickos game in the SEC. It's Arkansas versus Auburn. Arkansas has not been good this year. They absolutely trounced BYU. BYU is also not a good team. And Auburn, I I don't think I really need to say anything about Auburn because they just make fun of themselves pretty much with how they play football. Whoever loses that game, because I'm not going to say it's just going to be Arkansas winning. Auburn can win that game. They've played some close games, and Arkansas has been pretty dang disappointing this year. If Auburn wins this game, Sam Pittman, man, a lot of people had high expectations for this Razorback team, and they are just falling completely on their faces. It's kind of sad to watch a team do this badly. No one thought they would go 10 and 2 or 11 and 1, but man, 9 and 3 was a real chance. 8 and 4 with this loss would not even be a chance anymore. They would be a 7 to 5 team at best. This is just going to be bad if Arkansas loses and if Auburn loses. I think I speak for everybody. This has to be the end of the Brian Harson era. Should have been the end of the era a little bit ago, probably when they lost to, I don't know, pretty much anybody else. But you know what? College football, knowing college football, he's going to get the rest of the season. And then in obvious Gus Malzahn fashion, he's going to beat Alabama and then get fired because we love this sport. And this sport is really dang stupid, but we love everything about that stupidity because it brings us the chaos and chaos is a lot of fun. Dude, also just LJ's face when you said Arkansas Auburn, the disgust on his face was incredible. Two two teams that I just love to watch self-employed. Um, but put it put them together and I don't know. Yeah, they kind of look away. But do like, it. Go ahead, sir. It's like when two black holes collide. What happens? I, I, I don't know. I'm not an astronomer or a space expert. I'm not that really? right. Oh, you've been I know college football this whole time. I'm bright when it comes to college football. I, I would like to say a scientific I, theory that it's actually impossible for two black holes to collide because they can spread out over a couple million light years away to the point where they wouldn't be able to suck up each other because in order to create the idea that they could suck up each other is by the fact that there would be matter between the two. But if they got close to each other, there would be no matter. I, I don't know. Sounds, um, sounds a lot like Auburn. So. <laughs> I, I felt a lot of Arkansas there. I'm a sport management major. I don't understand a word you just said, Andrew. I was in accounting, uh, and so what? <laughs> I'm also you not that just bright. Made all of made all that up on the spot and would believe I might, it. I might have. We would I never slept, know. I slept half the time in astronomy, by the way. So, yeah, I hope I never have to take astronomy because I will fail that class three times. But I was going to say, I'm not the brightest when it comes to space, but when it comes to picks, which we'll get to later, I am your picks leader. So, oh, get out here. I mean, yeah, I am, I'm behind you, you by one game, Wilson. One game. Hey, one game's all I need to win. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. In traditional Sickos fashion, actually, when we had Sickos Committee on the podcast, we predicted how many, uh, or actually it was the team, the game total for points in Iowa versus Rutgers. It ended up going over because you know what? The one time we decide to talk Iowa points, it actually goes over. So thanks a lot, Iowa and Kirk fans and Brian fans, you morons. 
So obviously we have to talk about Iowa Northwestern. LJ, predict the number of points in this absolutely beautiful yet also garbage football game. Yeah, so I heard you bring up Sicko's committee and just want to give them a shout out. I know they're a, a big supporter of the account, as are you guys. So uh, I really appreciate everything that, uh, that you do for, for all the, uh, the retweets and, and comments and the content um, because I can't be watching every game at once and somehow you guys find a way to. So uh, super impressive. Uh, and speaking of the account, Iowa is very much a, a muse uh, given just the... I don't know how much they Iowa, especially this season. Uh, I think the line is 37 and a half somehow. Yeah. I don't know, 23 points, 24 points, a little 14, 10 game uh, with Ugh. 15 total points. <laughs> uh, but like you said, I biggest disappointment is going to be whoever has to, to sit and watch this game because it's going to be awful. 14 to 10 sounds like way too normal of a score for this game. <laughs> 15 to 8. There now, we go. Granted, Liam, we can have a team score 10 points and not score a touchdown. I want to hear that. It's possible. Yeah. Andrew? It's very possible. I was ori- I originally had 24 on my card, but then I realized that Iowa in their first six games allowed 59 points throughout the entire first six games which I remember before the big noon kickoff, they said that was like the least amount of points that they allowed after six games since like 1954 when they won a national title back then. But then I realized even though they gave up 59 points in their first six games, they allowed 54 last week to Ohio State. And I know it was in Columbus, and I know it's against arguably the best offense in the country. I mean, I think – and I know that this game is now in Iowa City, but and but Northwestern, for some reason, they decided to score 24 points, which was their most points scored since, like, week three. This just feels like the type of game where Vegas sets it right where they want it to and they feel like something's going to come up. I don't have faith in this Northwestern offense, even though they did score 24 against Maryland. I, I think I set it at 31 right now. I think Evan Hole is a good running back, and I think he's going to run the ball – a lot in this game, but when I look at this Iowa offense, I mean, Christ above, I mean, no quarterback that Iowa put out there last week was going to, was going to, was going to save them. I mean, I remember first half, I was like, if they at least had an average quarterback, they probably could have had a lead in on Ohio state because they actually looked somewhat, you know, they actually had a lead, but I think, I think 31 is the absolute max. If this was, if this was at Ryan field, it'd probably be less. The quarterbacks stink. Both of them. Peters and Padilla both stink. Brian Ferentz stinks even more. Give me 22 points in a 16 to 6 game. I don't care who wins. I don't care how they get to 16 or how they get to 6. That's why I'm going with because it's sick and that's what we need to do is predict the sick and gross score. I'll I'll call your 16 6 as 6. 16 6 as sick. That's a, that's a that's a tongue twister and a half and i will raise you some sickness make it 12 to 6 and you know how this is going to happen northwestern they're going to get two field goals they're going to get six points and iowa they're also going to get two field goals and then they're going to get three safeties because that is iowa 
I mean, it, it's yeah. just the most Iowa way to win a football game. No touchdowns. Who needs touchdowns when you can get defensive points on the safety or maybe special teams play? Maybe there's a, a muffed snap or a bad snap like there was in last week's Mon- Montana State Weber State game where there was four safeties because of bad snaps on punts. You know what? Maybe that happens. Maybe we bring it to the Big Ten because who knows anything anymore when it comes to Iowa football? I know I don't. Otherwise, man, I would be really smart when it comes to Iowa football, and I don't think that's possible because you can't be smart on something that's so, so, so stupid. It's, it's just impossible. They were begging for Padilla all year. Their fans were begging for Padilla to come in and take over for Peters, and we got two turnovers in the first two Padilla parts. was terrible last Remarkable. year, too. I mean, did they not learn their lesson? I, I mean, Padilla did. I, I don't want to bring up old games, but he did beat Minnesota. And I think that just says more about Minnesota than Iowa or Padilla. But, yeah, that was not fun. I, I don't want to bring that up, so let's move on. Uh, LJ, what's the game you're most looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I think the obvious one is, you know, Kentucky – UT, um, but uh, as a Vandy fan, definitely most looking forward to not having to watch them this week uh, as they are off. Uh, and then the game I'm probably most looking forward to watching via Twitter uh, is Mizzou uh, versus uh, South Carolina. The Gamecocks are only a four-point favorite at home, uh, which tells me that there there could be some uh, – some traction from, from Mizzou and it's always fun to see Gamecock Twitter uh, explode and always see Spencer Rattler uh, get, get brought a little bit back to, back down to earth. So uh, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on, on that one unfolding on, online. For me, I think I'm going to stick to a game that I spoke to earlier. It's still Illinois and Nebraska. I am, I, like I said, I think that this game can open up a bunch of portals for everyone in the Big Ten West. I mean, this is a game that I think even though Wisconsin's on a bye, they're going to be watching. I think this is the game that all Minnesota players are going to be looking at uh, after their game with Rutgers and, and know just what's going on. If Illinois gets a win at Nebraska, I think it kind of opens up their door to, to, to finish the rest of the way. They still got to play Michigan. But if they get two losses in the Big Ten – this opened. This is Illinois' first trip to the Big Ten title game in their franchise's program's history. Nebraska pulls off the win against Illinois. This is going to be one. This is going to be a WWE battle royal for whoever's going to finish the in, in the in the Big Ten West. And knowing how these teams play defense, I mean, that's probably exactly what's going to happen. So I'm really looking forward to actually having some packed. 12 football at night on a weekday again. Heck, even on a Saturday, because we haven't been getting it all too much because Pac-12 Network is just swallowing every Pac-12 game like Kirby. I don't know. It's garbage. Anyway, we're getting Andrew Stern, whatever, man. You don't like my video game references. We're getting. No, I feel like you just make a Kirby reference every single week. That's just not true. That's just uh, we can, once every no, two or three weeks. I, I'm throwing the challenge flag. That's the first. Oh, it's gonna be like one of those time. commercials. Yes, I'll grab a challenge flag right now. Yes, that's the first time. That was the first time I've made a Kirby reference. It, no, I. You yes. know what? If anyone is an avid listener or watcher, which we know there's a bunch of you, please send us clips of Liam talking about Kirby. I know for a fact, a fact. I'm just too lazy to go back and look. I know for a fact. He's made multiple Kirby references, not just one, not just two, multiple. 
you're I wrong. This pod every twice a week. Andrewster's right. I have not Axe. made Kirby reference. I could vividly recall Blitzcrank from League of Legends. I could recall, I don't know, Patrick Starr with the gif of him eating hamburgers. Not made a Kirby reference. Utah Washington State on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific is going to be incredible. It's about time that we have a good quality Pac-12 after dark game on a weeknight. We've had a few scattered here and there on Fridays. Uh, everyone remembers you say Washington. We're finally getting on Thursday. It's going to be great. All those people that are on Twitch watching Thursday night football, stop watching. Come on over at 7 Pacific. You've got a real good game to watch. I can't wait to see Cam Rising and Cam Ward go head-to-head. That's going to be phenomenal. But how about seeing Clark Phillips III and Dalton Kincaid on the national stage? Another opportunity for those two NFL prospects to boost their profiles. And Day and Henley on Washington State. One of the just – he came out of nowhere to become a legit NFL draft prospect, a day two prospect. This guy was on nobody's radar. He used to play receiver at Nevada, I believe. Now he's here at linebacker making massive waves. Athletic freak. He's been transcending into a legit NFL prospect. Thursday's a big opportunity for him, big business opportunity. And Petros is calling this game. Our good friend, friend Petros. Can't wait for Thursday night. This is the second time I've heard Cam Ward's name brought up and watch a few of his games. And he's probably the most interesting player I've ever seen at the quarterback <laughs> position. Does what's the consensus on the uh, the pod on his uh, his NFL draft prospects? I think he's a better prospect than Will Levis. That's facts. And I know there's a lot yeah, of people that are that. like there's a lot of people that think, oh, Will Levis, he's got all the physical tools. And I can understand that. But at the end of the day, we also have to realize his ball placement and his decision making are bar none some of the worst out of like the projected top quarterbacks. It's bad. Like it's not just like, oh, he needs to work on it. He needs to. It's bad. It's it's bad to the bone. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, he can develop it. I'm not saying he's a, you know, not going to happen ever, but it's something teams have to take into consideration when they're drafting guy. Now I'm not saying Cam Ward's a perfect prospect. There's no such thing as a perfect prospect, but Cam Ward, there are so many things to absolutely just drop your jaw when you're watching his tape and like, Oh my gosh. Wow. That's probably what everyone says when they watch his tape. Yeah. He's not the best quarterback, but you see it when you're watching him, you see what he can be. And that's the important thing. But I will. I'll move to my. Well, all for it. I would love to see. I'm a Giants fan. Would love to see uh, us re-sign Daniel Jones, allow him to get beat up, uh, and draft Cam Ward and uh, making the heir apparent. So I, I mocked Tendon Hooker over there at twelve, which probably ain't where they'll be picking. But that was a month ago. I thought Hooker to New York would be a phenomenal fit with Dable. It'd be fun too. Whatever quarterback Dable gets his hands on. I mean, Daniel Jones. This isn't an NFL podcast. Daniel Jones looks kind of good. Yeah, he's all right. They kind of just took the leash off and just let him, I don't know, get the crap beat out of him. And he's, I don't know, he's a decent runner and he can improvise. So you you sort of give him that longer leash and uh, can can win you some games. So um, Hashtag system quarterback to the max. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dable's, Dable's the, the truth. Yeah. He, is, he is that guy. 
but this is a college football podcast, so I should probably not talk about the NFL. I'm going to go to the fun belt, the sun belt that we call the fun belt because it's the most fun conference in college football. Old Dominion is playing a pivotal game against Georgia State. Now, Georgia State's a team a lot of people wrote off at the beginning of the year because they started 0-4. They had one of the toughest stretches for any group of five team, and now they're playing good football. They've got a lot of great players on that team. I love their running backs. They've got some good DBs. Now they're playing an ODU team that they've been a bit of a roller coaster. You know, they've had their ups. They beat Virginia Tech. Now, it's a group of five team beating a power five team, so you have to respect it as bad as Virginia Tech is. Old Dominion's had some some lows as well. They gave up a, a bad, bad UVA team to win a football game on a last-minute drive. But, man, I don't think there's a better story in college football this year than Hudson for ODU. He is probably just everything. He, he's the best thing ever. Hudson is going to just absolutely – he's not even going to be on the football field, but he's the reason ODU wins football games. I love him. Hudson – you're the best, just the absolute best. The Crocs, absolutely amazing. I, I just love live dog mascots. And Hudson has just kind of come out of nowhere this year and just been absolutely the best. The best Twitter follow as well, which is kind of weird seeing that multiple dogs are now running Twitter with him and Juice Kiffin. So a little shocking, but you know what? We love it. We love dogs on this podcast. ODU versus Georgia State. Not only Hudson for ODU, but just two phenomenal football teams as well. Probably a little bit of a weird game and weird uh, explanation, but Isn't it, yeah, I mean, was Hudson going to be your player focus? What was going on there? We'll talk about my player focus because my player focus is a little weird. But before that, we need to turn up the heat as it's getting a little colder. We're getting into the depths of winter. I know Minnesota is about to get a little bit colder, which I'm not a fan of to an extent, but it is that time of year. It's time for some hot cider and some hot takes. LJ, hot take for us. Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface this with, I am just a lowly meme account and I wanna be as neutral as possible and I don't want any trouble. Uh, but uh, I don't know, I, I just don't, I don't see it with Blake Corum. I don't think he's that, that guy. I think he'll have a big game this week, uh, but looking ahead at Michigan's schedule, they've got, Rutgers, Illinois, and Ohio State, and they're all in the top eight in rush defense. So I think you'll have a chance to, to at least prove it. Um, but I'm going to say he comes a little bit back down to earth. You see how hot BN Trooster got? Look, I, I don't want anyone to think I hate a player because I don't hate any players, but I do believe that some players get completely overhyped. Blake Arms is a phenomenal running back. People are trying to put him in the Heisman conversation. That, that's just not the case. Donovan Edwards on his team – about as good as him, in my opinion. And we need to, if we're ever going to talk up a running back like that, we need to talk about that offensive line. I think Michigan has the top performing offensive line in the country right now. They're easily going to win the Moore Award with how they're playing. And look, running backs, yes, they have to do stuff outside of the offensive line helping them. But the offensive line, when they play like that, if you watch that Penn State game, that was utter domination. I, I know every offensive line coach is drooling watching that tape of how they just were able to manhandle that Penn State defensive line and linebacker room. It was it was art. It should not have no been pun intended. TV. It, it was shouldn't art. have been on TV. Like that was that was that was uh, that. that that was, was just rated M for mature. It was yeah, rated that M for was mature. A, that was that was as one side of a performance as you'll see in the trenches in all the like, college football season. Yeah, 
All right, Andrew, hot take. Uh, I don't really didn't have this league really didn't allow me that many hot takes, but I, I was literally going to go off with a Michigan hot take, and that was I think JJ McCarthy is going to get 300 yards plus four touchdowns against Michigan State, and it's kind of add a bit of caveat to I think Michigan's going to beat Michigan State by 35 points at least, which would be their most in a long time. I mean, they beat them by 34 two years ago, but. I just think J.J. McCarthy, I think he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. He did get 300 yards two weeks ago, but his four, t- but four touchdowns this weekend would be his most that he's ever thrown in a game this year. I think this is kind of his spot. I think this, I think he needs to have a key game this season to where he proves that he can be one of the top quarterbacks in not just the conference, but in the country for the next, for the next foreseeable future. I really like J.J. McCarthy, and I think he's going to absolutely explode on this, on this Michigan State defense. I hate going to my guys, but today, week nine preview is just kind of a my guys podcast for me. So we're going to UAB running back to Wayne McBride. He is going to rush for 100 plus yards in this game. That's not a hot take at all because it's going to be the sixth straight game that he's done it. All six games McBride is playing this season, he will have rushed for 100 plus yards. FAU's rushing defenses is tumultuous. It is garbage. They give up like 170 per game. I love McBride. I like McBride to go for 200 against the WKU last week, who's got a pretty stout rushing defense. He went for 194. I love McBride to go for 200 plus rushing yards this week with two plus touchdowns. One of the most slept on NFL draft prospects, regardless of position. This is the best small school running back in the draft. Kid is special. He is special. And if anyone knows small school running backs, I would say, Liam Blutman does call them, and Dwayne McBride, phenomenal. But I'm, I'm going to go back to Texas A&M, and we've talked a decent about, about Texas A&M, and it's not a hot take that they're going to lose. They're underdogs against Ole Miss. But this might be a little bit more of a hot take. Texas A&M, outside of the COVID years, they're going to miss a bowl game for the first time since 2008, which was the first year of the Mike Sherman era for all of us older. Packers legends. And Packers legend Mike Sherman. I didn't want to bring that one up. But that was back when they were in the Big 12. I think their losses are going to be Ole Miss because they've got four losses right now, so they would need three more. I think they're going to lose to Ole Miss. They're going to lose the final game of the year to LSU because I think LSU is a very underrated football team. And they're going to win one and then lose one between Auburn and Florida. I don't know if they're going to lose to Florida. I don't know if they're going to lose to Auburn. They're going to lose to one of them because I don't think that they have the offense to keep up if Tank Bigsby has a day or if Anthony Richardson has a day. It's going to be one of those two. I'm not going to say they're going to lose both of them because I feel like four and eight for Texas A&M. Wow. That's bad. That's bad with 27, 2017 A's. Just a lot of A's with how bad it is if that would happen. But, of course, they have UMass. So they're not going to, you know, completely fold. I'm sorry, you. I thought you were good. I thought you were going to go to A&M and you're hot. We've got like five-plus guys in the portal after this week. I thought that's where we're at. If I wanted to continue, I think that their class is going to tank. Now, there were some rumors about a certain player possibly decommitting from his current school and going to A&M. I don't want to say it just in case, you know, people are listening that didn't know. But there was a, a quarterback prospect possibly going to A&M. That's no longer happening. I think that their classes for the next two years are going to tank. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go from, you know, top three to barely top 20. But they're going to tank in you know according to their last few classes they're not going to be nearly as good i think people are going to be like man why would i want to go to this offense 
Why, why would I want to go to a team that struggles to score 20 points a game? I would really be surprised if they kept their classes as they are. But from a and we're going to move to some player focuses. LJ, give us one power five and one group of five or FCS player that you're really interested to watch this year. Yeah. Uh, I guess, is it this year or just uh, uh, this, this week? I, I misspoke. Okay. No, 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 no worries. So I'd say, I guess, future Giants quarterback, Hendon Hooker uh, yeah. against Kentucky. I mean, I feel like he can kind of work for, for any week this season with the, uh, the performances he's had, but Kentucky's got a really stout pass defense. I think they've only allowed four passing touchdowns. Uh, and I think 178 yards per game. Hooker is always going to be making plays with his feet anyways, but uh, should give him a chance to, to kind of showcase those, the skills against a, a truly good defense. And I think that's going to be a, a really fun game. Uh, and then my, uh, uh, my other player focus. So uh, local kid, at least for me in, in Fordham, uh, Tim DeMorat. I don't, quite know how to pronounce his name, but I've watched a, a few of his games and uh, I know he's, he's tearing things up. They got a big game against Holy Cross uh, coming up. I know John Skelton came from Fordham and I think profiles pretty similarly to uh, to him and cool to see, see him in the league from the, from the Bronx. So love that pick. Shout out to Demora. All right. So for me, I'm going to go for my power five. I'm going to go with Tyler Shuck. He is back for Texas, uh, Texas Tech. For the first time since uh, week one, I believe it was. And Joey McGuire had a press conference uh, that was very interesting, saying that we could see a three-quarterback system, that we could be seeing Tyler Shuck. We could be seeing the likes of Donovan Smith. And uh, Baron Morton, I believe, is, uh, is the guy he's had really good games the last two weeks. I don't know how the hell you're going to play three guys, and with Tyler Shuck being the, the leading guy, but – they have a big game against Baylor. I think Texas Tech is a team that I had them to be bold bound in our Texas tier talk, and I got laughed at. If they win this game against Baylor, then I got to win one more by the end of the year, and they'll be bold bound. I'll take a genius look for that. I think Texas Tech, they got a good opportunity against Baylor. And if Tyler Shuck's healthy, and if he's going to be starting for the Red Raiders, they, they, got, they got a big chance for them. And a little bit what you were saying earlier about Cincinnati going to UCF and Orlando at the bounce house. I'm going to go with John Russ Plumley. He's had a really – Last week was one to forget. I mean, he didn't even hit 300 yards. He threw three picks. and But he's had some really good games this year, and I am still not fully sold on the Cincinnati team. I don't think this is a very good AAC team. I mean, AAC conference. We're seeing a conference where Tulane is the best team in the, in the conference, and that is honestly a shocker, okay? As someone that is a fan of an AAC school, I am shocked, still shocked. So I think John Ruiz I think he has a really good shot to, to, to beat the Cincinnati team. And honestly, but what I was saying about the Big Ten West, I mean, I think the AEC is still open. I think Tulane's going to still host the, the conference title game at the end of the year. But that number two spot, I think it's more than open than ever. Yeah, so as I alluded to, my guy's podcast, Jacob Cowing just keeps on rising as an NFL draft prospect at the receiver position. He's been and criminally underrated going back to his days at UTEP, and now he's been just thriving at Arizona. They've got a big opportunity this week. SC is coming in. Pac-12 network, ugh, awful. This is going to be fun, though. These two offenses are going to go, and they're going to trade blows. We're going to see how much Arizona can keep up. They're going to be throwing a lot. They're going to be behind. Jacob Cowing's going to put up some big-time numbies. Then 
Yeah, friend of the transfer portal, Tyrese Chambers, wide receiver at FIU. Not an ideal start to the season for him. Just hadn't been getting the ball after uh, their week one win against Bryant in OT, where he scored the touchdown to set up the game winning two-point conversion. After that, it's all been downhill. He hadn't been getting the ball. They just haven't been throwing it to me. He's been getting triple team. He's this good of a receiver to where he's been getting triple teamed in multiple games, suffers an injury a few weeks ago, comes back last week, puts up like 10 for 145 or something like that. Tyrese Chambers is healthy. He's back. FIU is actually getting him the football. I can't wait to see what he does against Louisiana Tech. I hope he could put up 170 in this game. I hope he could keep boosting up his resume so that he could transfer to a high-profile school or just hit the draft this year. He's a dang good player and just less than ideal start to his season. I hope we end it very well. Yeah, hope the best for him. Not the greatest situation, but you know what? He's one of the most talented wide receivers. I, I think we both agree on that. So fun to watch him and Cowie. And also, Andrew, with your thing with Tyler Shaw and the three-quarterback system, I will say, the last time a Big 12 team talked about a three-quarterback system, it was TCU against Colorado. Now, granted, Colorado's disgusting. <laughs> and they're awful. But you're, com- you're comparing a team that went to a New Year's Six Bowl last year to the worst team in the Power Five uh, among the Power Five teams this year. I think it was Marcel making. No, talking I'm, talking about about Baylor. Baylor. I'm talking about Baylor. I know oh. Texas Tech playing Baylor this week is different than, oh, yeah. than TCU playing Colorado. But granted, we also didn't know TCU was going to be nearly this good. Okay, that's true. But I'm, I'm going to move to my first player. I'm going to actually start in the group of five FCS because my power five players, it's going to be clip worthy. Let's just say that. Hayden Hatton for Idaho. They've got a massive matchup with Sacramento State in the FCS. That's going to really determine seeding for those playoffs. And man, I don't think that there's been any more dominant wide receivers over the last few weeks than him outside of Dino for Fordham. I'm not going to try and say his last name because I'm just not even going to have a chance. Come on. Unless you know how to say it, I'm not going to try and say it. Dino, you're very talented, but I'm going to stick with Hayden Haddon for this one. He was one of the biggest reasons that Idaho took the little Brownstein back to Moscow from Missoula. And now Idaho coming off another win in the Kibbe Dome. They got to go to Sacramento State. Sacramento State's been one of the most impressive teams in all of the FCS this year. One of the biggest games. And I think that if you can force feed him the football, he had an insane touchdown catch last week at the Kibbe Dome. Give him the ball and let him cook for Idaho. Give your team the best chance to win against a very good Sacramento State team. To the power five. I'm going to take the best player on this person's team. He's helping his defense so much, but he's also helping the offense. He plays for one of the most disgusting teams in the power five, but my gosh, he's one of the biggest bright spots in the country. I am, of course, talking about the best player for the most, un, you know, just one of the most underrated positions, one of the most absolutely disrespected positions. Tory Taylor for Iowa. He is phenomenal. He's the best punter in the country. He's actually statistically helping his offense more than any player on his offense because his offense refuses to move the football. And they actually have so many turnovers that they just give the opposing team great field position. But when he kicks that football, you better know it's going inside the, you know, the 20. It's going very far, very quick. He's got good air time, so it's not really very quick. But he's just so fun to watch as a punter, as a punter enthusiast. 
big fan of Pat McAfee, as you can probably tell. But man, for an Iowa team that is so, 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 so bad, Tory Taylor is the lone bright spot on that very so, 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 so bad team. Maybe just don't fake a punt on your own though this week yeah let's maybe see. hurt the let's offense avoid that in one. that aspect but let's avoid that one let's you know you know not do that we don't like you know fake punts when ohio state is involved in a football game because either that happens against iowa or greg shiano is squaring up with ryan day and that's the last guy i want squaring up on me because i will fall into the fetal position but with that being said picks Speaking of Iowa, picks. We're going to do picks like Spencer Petras will throw picks and Anthony Padilla will throw picks. That was a great segue. I'm so proud of it. Speaking of Iowa, they played Ohio State last week. That's the first game we're going to pick. Ohio State at Penn State. Massive ramifications for the Big Ten East. LJ, where are we going? I get to fire off my bold prediction. Did I miss that round? Uh, did maybe I? It was part of, maybe it was part of the... Uh... No, we I've been, we just do hot takes slash bold prediction. Oh, but if, you, yeah. if you want fire, if you want fire, off this is the one I was too. most excited about. Go for Notre it, Dame, go for it. Take the stage. Notre Dame loses all five of their final games. Dang! Marcus Freeman gets fired. Dang! They hire, they hire Urban Meyer, and then he has an affair with the player's mom. And gets, oh, dang! I'm, I'm willing this one into existence. <laughs> I don't think Notre Dame's gonna be very happy. <laughs> It'll make but, me. It'll make me happy though. So, man, we're about to have a convict in the actual Catholic school. <laughs> Wouldn't you guys love to see that though? Urban Meyer on the Notre Dame sideline. Dion no, have to announce my Catholic sideline. Be, be amazing. Moving on, um, <laughs> it's a heck of a bold prediction. <laughs> I think I think we know your Syracuse Notre Dame pick when we get to that. But Ohio State Penn State, who wins that I, game? <laughs> I mean, I'm going with Ohio State. I don't like James Franklin. He uh, left Vandy on bad terms, hasn't really been able to do much with talented rosters over the years, and uh, I don't know, Ohio State's really good. So, go with them. Penn State, for me, was the team with the most to lose, and I do indeed think that they're going to lose. So, yeah, Buckeyes. I, I think Penn State's got a chance to cover, but uh, I, I think Ohio State definitely win, wins this game. Yeah, we're not big James Franklin people over here, LJ. Don't worry. Uh, Ohio State by three and a half plus touchdowns. Yeah, we'll go with that, 24 plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Ohio State here. It's just not a good spot for Penn State. And I understand they're at home and coming off a win, but you're playing Ohio State. I don't think that's ever a good spot for them. I'll take Ohio State by a lot. Next game, Syracuse-Notre Dame. I wonder what you're going to pick, LJ. It was Syracuse. I uh <laughs> The Urban Meyer, Meyer, uh, the Urban Meyer hire gets gets one loss closer. So, Andrew, I think Syracuse proved last week that they are legit. They proved that they're a great football team. I don't care what that fourth quarter was against Clemson. They they've shown that they got all the tools. I think they beat the Irish. Man, I've been saying that for so long. Urban Meyer is going to be that coach of Notre Dame. Uh, no, seriously, yeah, Syracuse, they're, they're not going to make the same mistake twice. Sean Tucker's getting the ball more than five carries, five catches, uh, 25 carries in this game for him. He's going to run wild, play him in DFS. Uh, for all you DFS players, Sean Tucker. But I'm actually going to – Don't differ be pleased. 
he will be pleased. He was definitely not pleased after that Clemson game. My gosh. He lied. He lied about his tweet. I could I couldn't believe he did that. I, I didn't see the tweet, so I'm probably gonna have to search that after this. I'm I'm gonna differ from the group. I'm gonna take Notre Dame. I think the defense is gonna be enough. I think that they're gonna be able to get something of a run game going. I'm not gonna trust their passing game against a elite Syracuse secondary. But what really scares me about the Syracuse team is those mistakes. Those mistakes were wow. The the penalties, you can talk about the refs giving Clemson the game. I disagree i think syracuse absolutely gave away that game even though they won the turnover battle four to zero before the game winning int for clemson i'm gonna take notre dame here michael mayer man michael mayer if, if he gets the ball he is a force to take down all right to the fcs we go. sorry it, it was not the ref's fault that, that, that yeah, it was not. lost like it was not. <laughs> all of the people on twitter that were saying oh my gosh clemson gave or Clemson gave the refs $14 million. The refs made the correct calls. Did they miss on the late hit? Yes. Which there was a holding. There was a holding on Syracuse on that same play. They would have offset. Just everyone stop blaming the refs for everything. I understand it's popular and it's sometimes true. It's not always true. To the FCS we go. Massive game. Fordham. Holy Cross. Another game for seeding in the playoffs. LJ, where are we going with this one? Fordham, my uh, my player player focus is gonna throw for five plus touchdowns. Ten Facts. So, picking there are only there are only three things that I know about Fordham. Vince Lombardi was part of the seven blocks of granite over there. Our guy Jack Mack went there, and uh, Tim Demorat leaves the entire nation in FCS and FBS in passing yards. So I think that's enough for them to to be Holy Cross. Holy Cross is tied for fifth in the FCS. Fordham comes in at 22. And you know dang well we're taking Fordham here. Andrew Stern, I like them to beat Ohio. Unfortunately, they couldn't do it. But that combination between Tim DeMora and Fotis Cocosilis, I don't know if I said it right, but I tried. Elite connection. I think I messed up earlier. I was talking about Dino. I meant Fotis, so... Yeah, Fotis, Coco Seoldis. Mm. Yeah. Something like uh, that. Uh, I apologize for what I'm about to say. Holy oh, Cross man. is going to lose because Ford is about to go ham. Moving on. Southern. <laughs> you got those tomatoes back? You got those tomatoes again? I mean, because I can no, get them I, on I my fridge them. right now. Uh, Southern at Jackson State. College game day. Going to Jackson State. Can Coach Prime pull it out? Dion's audition for the Auburn job. Uh, I uh, I got Jackson State. I don't know. I feel like everyone's going to be pretty pumped game day there, and uh, Jackson State's a really good team. So, Coach Prime and his son give me Jackson State by twenty points. I wish that Jackson State would be able to play in the FCS playoff. They're going to up for the Celebration Bowl. Respect Jackson State all day. This is a team that got a first-place vote in the FCS. An HBCU getting a first-place vote is unprecedented in this era. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to doubt Coach Prime. I think he's a stellar coach. Shador Sanders, man, heck of a quarterback. He's been having a great year. A little bit of struggle from Jackson State last week against Campbell. I think that they bounce back in a mighty way at Jackson State. I think they win by 28 points. I think Look this is going Shane to – hooks. Yeah, this is going to be a heck of a game. For Jackson State, not really for Southern. I apologize. All right, on to the Power Five game of the week. Oklahoma State at Kansas State. I feel like I say this every time. Massive ramifications for the Big 12. 
Yeah, so I had K-State before I heard Liam talking about how banged up they were. So uh, <laughs> make me oh, no. maybe reconsider. But uh, I don't know. I like K-State, so I'll go with them. I'm still I'm still going with Kansas State. I think Kansas State was this game. I understand about the injuries, but we've seen crazy things happen. I still like this Kansas State defense a lot. They they've got the best defense in the Big 12 right now. So Kansas State wins this game and they run it all the way to Arlington. There's just something about Oklahoma State that I'm very intrigued by. I'm going to pick them. I'm going to thank you, LJ, for not switching your pick. I, if the blood was on my hands there for for uh, K State, I ended up winning, and it was my fault you didn't pick them. Tough, tough, tough. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to stick with Oklahoma State here. I think that they've had a little bit of bad luck. I, I like Mike Gundy as a coach right now. I think he's doing a heck of a job. This really depends on the health of Sanders. I don't think he's 100%, but I don't think he needs to be 100% with how banged up Kansas State is. I'm going to take Oklahoma State going on the road and winning in Manhattan. A big game that I don't think anybody thought would be a big game going into this season, Illinois at Nebraska. I knew it. Do I have to pick this one? I don't know. They're, I mean, uh, technically you don't have to. I guess it's kind of a toss-up. Illinois is kind of a wagon this year, but – Nebraska has been a little bit fun after Frost has been fired. So I think I had initially taken Illinois, but let's go with Nebraska and see if we can uh, make that a sickos chart come true. I'm going to take Nebraska just because I live for Big Ten West Mayhem. But in all seriousness, I think this is a Nebraska team that's been rejuvenated since that embarrassing loss to Oklahoma. I like Casey Thompson still. I'm still taking the Oscars. I just have to pick Nebraska. Uh, I think Illinois is completely overrated. I think the Big Ten West is an absolute dumpster fire. I would like to see it keep rotting, so I'll take Nebraska. I'm going to take Illinois here. I think that this is a battle of matchups. Illinois has got one of the best run games in the country. Nebraska's got one of the worst run defenses in the country. Nebraska is going to be able to pass and run. But, man, Illinois secondary, something else, man. I like Illinois here to just dominate in the trenches and win because of that amazing run game of their secondary. I'm going to move on. Cincinnati at UCF, a game that I don't think any of us care about, but we have to pick it. Yeah, uh, Liam, you made a pretty good argument earlier for, for UCF over, over Cincinnati. Uh, so I'll, uh, I think I'll change my pick. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, I'll stick with, I'll stick with Cincinnati. Why not? They're, uh, obviously not the same, same as last year. Um, I, I took inventory in my head. They got a lot of players that are making or made NFL rosters that are not there yeah. anymore. Uh, but nine, so, I think total. Was it in nine? Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of guys, a lot of guys they lost, uh, but somehow still six and one. So hopefully they keep. Keep it going. I've had an anti-Cincinnati agenda for the last two years, and every time that I pick them to, to mess up, they always come back and win it. So I am going to try against my luck this time, and I'm still going to pick Cincinnati to win it. I will have welcomed you over to the dark side on this one, LJ. We're rolling with UCF all day. Yeah, UCF. Cincinnati is one of the most overrated teams in the country because people have this agenda stuck in their head that they're still as good as they were last year, which they weren't even as good last year. But now they're just a completely different football team. UCF, I don't think they're that all, all that good, but I think they're better than Cincinnati. Just so many underwhelming performances. I, I'm going to take UCF to finally take them down and let people realize, hey, 
Cincinnati's not all that anymore. Not that I ever thought that they ever were, but that's a completely different discussion for a different time. Kentucky goes into Knoxville. Can they prevent the goalposts from being taken away? Hope so. Um, I'm picking Kentucky. I don't know. I don't. Uh, although the UT fans were very good to to my meme account after uh, after that game and provide a lot of great content. Uh, but I don't know. They're kind of Vanderbilt's rival. They probably don't see it like that. But uh, they're the one team that we uh, we try to try to hate and, and get fired up for. So. Uh, it's always fun to see their expectations get crushed and Knoxville implode. So maybe it's this week with Kentucky. Hendon Hooker is my Heisman pick. Uh, Cedric Tillman, he's been out for a long time. He's finally back healthy. Uh, I think Tennessee wins this and Kentucky just gets proven to be the biggest frauds in the SEC. Yeah, I think Kentucky is very overrated. I am taking Tennessee and I hope that this game brings some good Good content to your account, LJ. I hope that we get some good art, but sports for this. All I that's all I root for these days. I don't care who wins or loses. I just want to. I want meme fodder. So, <laughs> I, I think this is going to be a bit of a closer game. I think Tennessee, as good as they are, I think that they have to have a little bit of a come down to earth spot. I don't think they're going to lose it because I don't think Kentucky's all that good. I think they're in a fight with Ole Miss for who's the most overrated team in the SEC. But I'm going to take Tennessee here, but I don't think it's going to be a complete blowout as some people do. Baylor at Texas Tech. This game is a football game that is happening. The butt bowl. It is the butt bowl. I guess I'll take Texas to bring up the the rear of the the or Texas Tech to bring up the rear of the butt bowl and uh, go with Baylor. So. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see how these three quarterbacks are going to play together for uh, the Red Raiders. I mean, I still love Joey McGuire. I think Tech is filing a spot after decimating West Virginia last week, 48-10. to 10. I, I, I really like the Red Raiders again. I, I think they're going to beat Baylor. Andrew D's going to hate me for this. If Tyler Shock is their starting quarterback this week, I'd pick Baylor. If it's Donovan Smith and Baron Mortingay in the bulk of the load, I'm taking Texas Tech all day. I think they're two superior quarterbacks to shock i'm taking Texas they, they Tech in this one they are but it, they, they're still how do i say it? i mean i think it's i think joe mcguire i think he's gonna play a game of like whoever plays the most efficient is gonna is gonna stay is gonna stay in the fourth quarter i think that's just how it's gonna work out and i think that's why tech wins in the end yeah i agree with liam i don't think shucks good i don't think he's been good at all at all even at his Oregon days I don't think he's good I'm going to take Baylor here just because I do worry about how much each time or how much time each quarterback gets Texas Tech is coming off a blowout win against West Virginia but Baylor as much as they've underperformed I think that this is going to be a spot where they're just going to be able to win a football game it's one of those games where it's like I don't think they're going to win because they're going to outplay Texas Tech. I think they're going to win because it's just how the season goes. Like Baylor's yeah. going to win this football game. Texas Tech is going to lose it. I feel it's, that. It's, it's college football. It's vibes. It's not a strategy pick. It's a vibes pick. Baylor wins because of vibes. Uh, going on to the probably the best game of the week, and I'm not, you know, not being serious. Idaho at Sacramento State. This is a fun game. This is a fun game. Everybody needs to watch, even though it's not on national television. I am – the world's biggest Idaho fan, <laughs> their social media manager a few weeks ago, uh, became the, the first team to reach out to the account and ask for 
uh, a picture done of Jason Eck holding the little brown stein. So uh, Idaho fan through and through, and I hope they shellac whoever they play this season. So going Idaho. I'm going to go with Sac State. Uh, 7-0 against 5-2 Idaho. I know Sacramento State's been among the best teams in the FCS. They've been among the best performing teams in the FCS. So that's why I want to go with Sacramento State. Yeah, I previewed this one, our upset special show. I like Idaho here. I love the Big Sky Twitter account. I love Idaho's Twitter account. love Coach Eck. I like what Idaho is bringing to the table. And then if you want actual analysis, we're talking about classic sandwich game. Sac State hosted Montana last week, emotional win, their first ever nationally televised game. They go at Weber State next week. I like Idaho here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Lee, and this is a tough stretch for Sac State. I don't know how they can go 3-0 and in that stretch. And also, if you know me, you know I also have allegiances with Montana. Love the school. Love the city of Missoula. Both teams beat Montana, so I don't know why this is my logic for having Idaho win. But you know what? Vibes again. Vibes, Idaho. You know what? Idaho also showed us a lot of love when we made them the team of the week and that graphic. Pretty much everybody in the state of Idaho retweeted and liked it. A lot of, you know, a lot of great Idaho fans. They deserve respect for having such a great team. Coach Eck, you know what? Hey, maybe we can get you on for an interview. We would love to do that. But, you know, I'm going to take Idaho here in this big win. They should be they're criminally underranked. If we could talk about that, my gosh, why are they where they are? Like, what are they, like 19 or something? I believe that is the correct number, 17 or 19. Numbers are tough. It, yeah, we know you have dyscalculia. I have dysrememberia, if that's a thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not that bright. I can't remember. But Idaho over Sacramento State, I think that's a pretty good place to end it, obviously. Thank you, LJ, for joining us. Make sure to follow Art But Sports and art but make it sports that's the ig the first one was the twitter uh you know like comment subscribe do that stuff everybody else tells you to we really appreciate it if you can you know on obviously on the youtube do the like and subscribe follow on the spotify and apple i'm not gonna act like i know what to do on there because i do everything on youtube but everyone have a great day enjoy college football while we still got it which is a crazy thing to say as we're about to enter the month of november which means action you're up next thank you everybody have a great day